And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. New York strip steak? This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writers. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Podcast Network. You're listening to Basket Buds. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel. With me is Trayvon Edwards, Will Guillory, and Dave Dufour. Today, we're going to talk about Memphis or New Orleans. Who do we like better? The Bucks are struggling. Nets surging. Nuggets, hottest team in the West. And are we not giving Luka enough love? Guys, yeah. welcome to 2023. Woo. Happy New Year, guys. We're here. Happy New Year. We've... We have made it, and guys, this has been a great freaking season. Like, people, football's taking over, everybody's watching that, but they're missing a great NBA season. And one of the fun battles we have going on is Memphis versus New Orleans. Like, I feel like just within the division, we got a lot of fun stuff there. And Will covers New Orleans for us, so I'm just going to start with you, Will. Who do you like more, New Orleans or Memphis? And I feel like you're biased. Oh wow! Tell you guys us the truth. Me, Tell us the truth. Right, you know, you, right you in the can't fire. Really stand the Pelicans. Who is joining the buds? First off, I want to just say I appreciate you guys having me on. I feel like Swaggy P joining the Dynasty Warriors. I'm just here to to bring the vibes and just get my shots off. Uh, but I, you're I, more I important like... than Swaggy P joining the Warriors. Just so you <laughs> Listen, know, don't sleep on Swaggy P's importance. Okay, on and off the court. Uh, but. I feel like the my New Orleans people are going to hate me for this, but I I still got to lean Memphis if I'm talking Grizzlies wow. versus Pels. Just because, one, I think the Grizzlies just have more experience in the Pels playoff-wise. They 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 won the playoff series last year. They went toe-to-toe with the eventual champs in round two. And also, I, we just haven't seen the real Pels yet. I mean, Brandon Ingram's been out for a month. The, the, the projected starting lineup the Pels had have only played 10 games together. And when those guys were together, they didn't have this version of Zion on the court. He was kind of standing on the side a lot of times watching Brandon Ingram during those games. So I think they've still got a lot of work to do to figure out who they are once all the pieces coming together. And I think with the Grizzlies, they know exactly who they are. They they run everything through Ja. Uh, Desmond Bain comes in and hits his shots. Jaron Jackson's blocking everything at the rim. So they're very comfortable in who they are. And I still feel like the Pels have some room to grow, but it's hard to deny just the, the talent the Pels have one through 15. I think they have the, the deepest roster in the league, and right now they have one of the most dominant offensive weapons as well. So they're going to be dangerous, but they still got some room to grow before they can really match up with some of these teams who just know who they are once the playoffs come. I think the before biggest we thing... Start it- Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you jump in, no, no, Trey. I go like because Trey's ready to roll. Go. No, because I was going to, before we started, I was like, we got to pick a side. Now I got to push back. I can't, just, <laughs> I can't just, I can't just front run and choose the Grizzlies. Grizzlies this, Grizzlies that. Like, man, I'm starting to get, like, I'm, I'm with them. Like, the Grizzlies have to win. The Grizzlies have to win. They're arrogant right now. 
I haven't done anything. We're giving them too much credit. You see, they got smacked on Christmas with the Steph Curryless uh, Warriors. We're giving them too much credit. Okay, they made it to the playoffs. So what? So what? At the end of the day, right? Last 10, Memphis is 6-4. and four. New Orleans, 5-5. Five and five. You mentioned no Ingram. They, uh, the last meeting they played against each other, CJ McCollum, they held him to 4-16 and shoot well. Um, and you said, we still haven't seen the real Pelicans yet. When they get to that, I think by playoffs, Lord willing, Willie Green and company are going to be ready for these Memphis Grizzlies, and it's going to be a showdown. I, I, I cannot I, wait. No, I got a quick the, question. Hold the, on, I got a quick go question. Go ahead. The, Will, what is going on with Ingram? I know it's a total injury, <laughs> but like, is he ever, like, because Trey touched on it, like, that's going to be the key thing. Is Ingram going to be like, what's the story? I feel like I haven't seen him since like November 3rd or whatever. I know it's crazy. Every time somebody asks me about it, I say he's going to he's going to be back soon. But I also said that two weeks ago. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think he was close to coming back during that road trip where they played two games against Utah and the third game against Phoenix in like four days. It was crazy. But uh, he, he was playing some pickup during that trip, ended up kind of messing up the toe a little bit again. So they pushed back his timeline a little bit. He's starting to do more in practice. We're seeing him shooting around before games. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back within these next few games. They want to get a practice, a full practice under his belt before they throw him into a game. Uh, But you just see his activity going up. Uh, We talked to him the other day. He said it's not really a pain thing. It's more about him just feeling fully confident in the toe, being able to explode, being able to just feel like himself. So I, I think that's the 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 one promising thing. It's not like this is a lingering issue. It's just something where he just isn't fully confident yet to go out there. And I think once he gets there, he'll play. But it's not like uh, it's like oh they got to go get another MRI on the toe. It's nothing like that. It's just he's not quite there yet, pushing off on it. But he's getting close. Hot boy Zanos. Hot boy Zanos. I see my boy. I see my boy in the dicky fit. <laughs> Hey, G Nikes. You guys, Hold all right. You down. guys are giving the Pels, uh, you know, uh, and rightfully, Brandon Ingram hasn't been out there with Zion all year. You know, we don't know what this team's going to look like when everybody's healthy. But you can say the same thing about the Grizzlies, and that they've done this in spite of not having Desmond Bain for a lot of the season. Remember, Zaire Williams has been out. You know that knee thing, um, and they lost big pieces. People forget Kyle Anderson was a huge piece for them last year, and now. Dylan Brooks Milton. luckily has stepped up and, and taken on this defensive stopper role. I mean, you know, he guarded. I think he did a really good job guarding Zion the other night. Will I, and he did. He did that. That and then Memphis picked up team four fouls real quick. It, That's not a hey, good job. <laughs> listen, man. Hey, <laughs> on Zion, third. How do you guard Zion without fouling? I, I nobody's figured that one out. So four <laughs> fouls. You know, just give. You know, that's a golf clap. Good job. At least you didn't foul out. I, I think that you know, with Memphis, they just have more pieces. Right. And you can see that the Pelicans keep discovering pieces. And I think that they're they're neck and neck. It's kind of wild that these two teams a couple years ago had the one and two pick and now are sitting in very similar positions. Both front offices have done a good job of just finding guys. I mean, Trey Murphy, hey, how you like a six, eight guy who can shoot threes and dunk like that in the game um, and also play pretty solid defense. I, I think that. um it is it is pretty crazy to watch this sort of parallel trajectory of these two teams. And then we get moments like, you know, Ja get forcing the switch so Zion has to guard him. Um I, whether I can't tell you if Memphis is a better team like 
four months from now, right? I think they will be just because, like Will said, the the experience does matter. It does tend to matter in the playoffs, and and I think Jaron Jackson is there. As their center in the playoffs is just a better option than than what New Orleans has right now, but New Orleans has all the pieces. If it comes together, New Orleans, if they're in the conference finals this year, is that shocking to anybody at this point? Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, part because no. the West is wide open. Yeah, but like for me, I'm going New Orleans, and it's mainly because of Dylan Brooks for Memphis, and it's not <laughs> even about his defense. It's honestly the number of bad shots he takes in a game. Did it last uh, night? He's going to blow games. He's going to blow. Yeah, he's going to blow games for this team. I was looking at the numbers and things like that. First, I'm shocked he's shooting six threes a game. He's shooting 35% from three, which is respectable, but like he's got to stop the the dribble pull-ups. Like some of his just two or three of those a game, you got to cut those out. And then the other thing, I was just looking at the splits. Memphis actually loses games when he takes more than 15 shots. In their losses, he averages 17 shots a game. Like I'm just more in that. Like, I think he feels he's got to get a lot of shots off and that's going to hurt them. I think they're neck and neck though. I think these two teams are incredibly close. That's why I think it's a fascinating kind of just story to watch these two teams go. And I hope, I really hope this develops into a rivalry. Like that's all I want. And it's crazy. You bring that up. Cause that was the point I was going to go to next is cause I, I really do love this as the Pels number one rivalry, e- even though, there's that lingering thing going on with Phoenix. They played in the playoffs last year. They got the beef because of well, Zion. Everybody hates Dunk. Phoenix. <laughs> but, but the crazy thing is, I was going to say, it seems like Memphis is the team that gets into it with everybody. I think the Pelicans are starting to go up there as far as the number of teams they're beefing with now. You got Phoenix. You got Memphis. They got into it with Minnesota the other day. D'Angelo Russell saying Zion's playing football. They got into it with Detroit earlier this year, randomly. Uh, the Lakers, of course, is a lingering thing between the Pels. Uh, Jose Alvarado and Kevin Porter Jr. got into it early this year during the game. So I think you, you're seeing where Memphis is that team that was so brash and so talk. They talk so much that everybody kind of starting to get tired of them, in particular Dylan Brooks, because it's like, hey, bro, you're not that good. You shouldn't be talking to Klay Thompson. Uh, but it's like, the Pelicans are starting to get there, too, where people are like, hey, I'm tired of Zion trucking over everybody and Jose Alvarado hiding in the corner and getting steals. And I think that comes from just respect. Uh, if, the, if the Pelicans weren't good, these many teams wouldn't care about the stuff they're doing. But the fact that all these teams are getting in their face, starting to push back, I think it shows that people are like, hey, this team is real. When we play the Pels, we got to show up and not just play. We got to show up and, and, and prove that we're ready to fight against these guys. And I think that's that's one step and kind of the continued growth with this Pelicans teams where people are showing up to play them and they're like, hey, we got to lock in and strap up because this is a real team and that's something they're going to have to deal with, you know, for the rest of the season. And the home crowd in New Orleans (laughs) has become a thing, man. Like this is the thing that we keep missing here is that the Pelicans didn't used to get people to come watch them. And now that it feels like they have some energy there in the crowd. I mean, you know, look, when you've got a guy like Zion, it's certainly it's easy to get the crowd going, but I, I think that the momentum that that team has, I mean, you can see it basically I, every, every week. It seems like they, they just are maturing, so to speak in their game and they become less reliant on Jonas Valanciunas, which is good because he's going to be a, if they play Memphis in the playoffs, he's going to be played off the court. That's when Larry Nance. That's when Larry Nance comes in. That's, yeah, but yeah, Steven Adams Larry has in like that game the other night too. Stephen Adams has like a blood feud with 
Jonas Valanciunas, man. I, I don't understand it, but he makes it his his purpose in life to just play him off the court in head-to-head matchups. I think that that's, a, that's an issue for, for New Orleans. Like, if I wanted to nitpick these teams, right, I would say that, or if I, you know, comparatively, I think that the the flexibility that Memphis has because of Jaron Jackson just allows them some lineup combinations where they can say, hey, Dylan Brooks, <laughs> we're going to sit you to the side for a little bit. And I'm not sure if New Orleans, like, I don't know if they can do that with their weak link. I'm not sure that they can. What about Larry Nance? And Larry's been really good this year, and he was out that last time they played Memphis. Uh, So I think that's something that they were really missing in that game where they were just stockpiling so many guys in the paint. And once you put Larry at the five, that spreads the court out a little bit more. Uh, So I think that's going to be a huge factor. And Larry's, of course, a guy who has dealt with injuries in the past. He's dealt with it not as much this year, but sometimes it's like, hey, are you going to trust Larry to play 100-plus games this year? Uh, We'll see. Uh, But, yeah, I think that's going to be a factor. And also, if you play Larry at the five, you're not quite as good a rebounding team. Uh, I think that's going to be something when you're playing the Grizzlies who they just pound you on the offensive boards. Uh, but yeah, I think again this this fa- this matchup is just fascinating because I love everything about it. Because then you throw in Herb Jones going against uh, Ja Morant. Uh, you, how do you figure out the Zion matchup? How many terrible shots is Dylan Brooks going to take? Uh, I just love everything about these two teams. The the one thing about this is both of these teams can be players at the trade deadline. They both have a ton of assets and can make a move to really kind of fortify whatever the weakness is come February. Let's put a pin on that, and let's go to another team that's absolutely struggling right now, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. It's been brutal. They just came off a big win against New Orleans like a week ago. Since then, have lost to Cleveland, Brooklyn, Boston, Chicago, and OT when they blew that game. Four and I mean, six. It's Four and it, six, it is, the last ten. It is rough right now. And, and I know injuries. I know they only had Chris Middleton twice in those two games. Or excuse me, in those 10 games, holiday for about half of them and things like that. But guys, what the hell's going on with Milwaukee? Trey, what's 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 up? I mean, we're 30. Let's in. start with that. Are you worried? I'm I'm not worried. I mean, this is what happens when teams continue to be like successful teams, right? It's the it's the wear and tear of the league. You know what I mean? You make it deep in the playoffs, you get those runs. It's all about body maintenance and availability. And this is one of those things that it's starting to hit the bucks, but you know, Joe Ingles is starting to pick it up after getting slack from the, you know, after being ran off Twitter by fans and, you know, uh, Marjan and a couple other players are starting to find their groove. And I think they're a team that normally thrives in, um, you know, late April, um, you know, early April and, and, and going into the momentum of, of the playoffs and things of that nature. The biggest hurdle is going to be Boston. You know what I mean? Because I feel like the Nets, have found a way finally to kind of match up with Milwaukee. You know, Ben Simmons has been guarding Giannis pretty well. Not stopping him, but like kind of walling up and being that annoying pest because they kind of double those things and and making Giannis playmake, which isn't kind of his strong strength. He's getting better at it. But, um, you know, not having Middleton out there, not having Drew sometimes, it's the whole flow is messed up. So um, just like we talked about Memphis and New Orleans, they just got to get healthy. I'm not pretty much worried. They, you know, they're, they're not on like a four game losing streak and things of that nature. They're still in the top three, um, but we're just so used to them thriving around this time and in the previous years that um, those are the things. You know what I mean? So 
um, they'll stay in the cream of the crop and still be a pain in the ass, you know what I mean, come playoff time. Yeah, I, I was looking at at their losses here recently. And man, they had a game that they lost by six to Chicago. They only got up 23 three-point attempts. You know, it, it, part of this is a little bit of a math problem. They just don't have shooters. They don't have guys who who can who can space out around Giannis when he's attacking. I think teams have gotten better, Mo. And Mo, you you've been on this. Teams have gotten better about sitting and waiting for Giannis. They're happy when he wants to settle for those jumpers. And that's the secretly, this is another thing that they've been dealing with this year. And I, maybe this is a, you know, all right, it's a long season. I've done this, you know, so many times. And, and I've, I'm saying this on the heels of Giannis having back-to-back 40-20 games. So maybe I, I should just shut up. But he is settling for more jump shots. I mean, that's not... That's that's not just my eye test. I mean, he he actually is doing that. Um, and so that could play into it because I think you're getting a little bit more variance from Giannis on shooting nights. I mean, how many times this season has he had a rough shooting night? It seems like he's had more of them than than in the last few years. I, I tuned out after you said I was right. I was I was happy. <laughs> I mean, we could stop the podcast. We're done. Everybody else. <laughs> you all have a joy. <laughs> no, but like my thing with them is they don't have ball handlers. And other creators like it's all on literally three guys. Two of them have been in and out of the lineup regularly. And then it's Giannis who as great as he is when he's not settling for shots, he doesn't really create that much for everybody else. Like he gets help because everybody pulls in, but like, I just, I I watch them and I'm like, man, like they need more infusion. And this is where Bochamp's got to come in and, and, and be really important, but they need more athleticism and, and, and rolling with that. I saw a stat the other day that they're actually shooting worse with Giannis on the court from three. And, you know, it's worth digging into, I think. Um, and, and this could be a thing that's just a, a variance of the first 36 games of the season. I don't know. But we do know that it's tough to play that way as a role player where one guy is creating all the looks and you just got to stay ready. I mean, we've seen previously Houston, Dallas, obviously, they struggle if they're not making shots. I just feel like it puts a little bit more pressure on your offense to just be shot makers instead of playmakers. It's easier to, well, to me, it's easier if your offense has a bunch of guys out making plays, trying to cut to the basket, doing, you know, with a varied offense. Whereas if you're just kind of standing around waiting for spot ups, Grayson Allen, is he good enough at spot up shooting for, for that to be the, the foundation of your offense? I, I just don't know. No. And then the defense has fallen <laughs> off. Well, and then the defense has fallen off in the last few weeks. And part of that is not having Drew out there trying to work Chris Middleton back. So I think long-term, Mo, like, you know, I'm not worried, and you're probably not worried. But oh, no, I'm some, worried. Well, I'm going to say there's some cracks there in their foundation. And, and this is a team that doesn't really have the assets to go out and make a move, I don't think. I mean, people keep thinking they're going to hit the Jay Crowder button. Well, Jay's, Jay Crowder plays the same position as Giannis. Yeah, he, do, he, doesn't, he doesn't fix anything. But, Will, you just saw this team, you know, like a week ago. What's, and, and you saw them play really well. <laughs> what's, what's your view of this? Yeah, I mean, this may shock y'all, but my takeaway from this from that game was Giannis is damn incredible. <laughs> and when you see him in person, you kind of get a – Another like wow! I can't believe this guy is that big and moves that well and finishes at the rim the way he does. Uh, but I think as great as Giannis is, I think the story of this season for them is going to be told by Chris Middleton. I mean, the guy has played seven games this year. I talked about the Pelicans only having that starting lineup for ten games. The Bucks have had that starting lineup for four. <laughs> so you know, I think it's tough 
to really do anything when, especially when you're missing a piece like Chris Middleton. Uh, he's so slept on on what he does and how he finishes games for them and how he's he can be that shot maker uh, around Giannis that Dave was talking about. And I think a lot of Bucks fans look at it and say, well, we'd be fine. Once Chris Middleton comes back, we'll be right back to the Bucks. Everybody knows. And I think I look at it like, man, maybe this might just be one of those seasons with Chris Middleton where he just doesn't get healthy I and mean, he just doesn't get right. And then when you look at the rest of that roster, they just don't have the firepower uh, around Giannis. So when you look at these guys, they're playing Javon Carter, Grayson Allen, Bochamp. I, I mean, those guys are decent, but uh, they're not going to hit the big shots for you in big games. Uh, the way the, the Bucks needed it last year uh, against Boston. And when you see them match up against Boston, I feel like, again, Giannis is going to be great, but they just don't have enough scoring around him to match up with Boston, or I would say even Cleveland at, at this point. Uh, so I think uh, that's the big question for them. How are they going to just get more scoring around Giannis and just make life easier for him if they can't get Chris Middleton right now? If Middleton can get healthy and be himself again come April, uh, maybe that solves a lot of their problems, but I do think, uh, you know, Moats brought up the 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 Grizzlies and the Pels being teams that might be active at the trade deadline. I think this is a team in Milwaukee that has to be active at the trade deadline. They got to find something else to juice up this roster because what they have right now just isn't enough. No, and I think that's kind of the big the big thing. I just don't know how they do it. Right. They, you know, when when I look at Milwaukee and or, or excuse me, when I look at Memphis and New Orleans. I actually see the 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 assets they have. I mean, hell, New Orleans has all of the assets Milwaukee would want to use right. now in a trade, you know. And I feel like there's a lot of that. So it's it, it gets much more difficult when you look at like how does it work for Milwaukee and Crowder just doesn't do it for me for them. Like I just don't think it makes a, a difference, you know. I, just, and, and, and I don't I think, know who's going to be available. This is my this is my big thing is that there's plenty of there's plenty of teams that I think have. Great asset plays they can make. Memphis, New Orleans, obviously. There's not going to be a massive trade market. So teams like the Bucks just won't be able to compete, I don't, I don't think, for players that could be difference makers. I mean, you know, if Bogdan Bogdanovich becomes available, Mo, we, we've talked about this separately, that's a perfect fit for Milwaukee. I mean, it, that's why they wanted to sign him. He would work perfectly there. Um, but the truth is, man, they wouldn't be first in line. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have as much stuff. I mean, New Orleans could just they can go out. They're gonna get and they outbid. Could, yeah, they're gonna exactly. And so you know it's, they're gonna be looking for you know secondary tertiary guys on the market, and that just isn't that's not moving the needle enough. I don't think I, the Bucks. You know, unless Middleton comes back and looks like Chris Middleton, ah, oof, it might be a rough postseason for them. And I hate to say that because I you know you can't go against Giannis, but. I don't know, man. Uh, that's a that's a lot of weight on Chris Middleton's knee. Yes, yeah, we is. saw it last it's... year during the playoffs when Giannis was great. It, it, he was phenomenal in that series against Boston, and it wasn't enough. And that was against last year's Boston. And this year's Boston is much better than that team we saw last year in the playoffs. So uh, I don't know what Milwaukee. Well, I don't know. Do. I don't know, man. I well, yeah, lately Robert but, yeah. Robert Williams. Listen, guys, and it's early. He's just coming back, but. I'm not. I'm not in love with the way Robert Williams is moving right now. I again, it's early. I think we got we got a few months before the playoffs. But if he's not going to improve his mobility, I the East might be wide open, guys. Let Giannis beat us. Is the <laughs> I mean, For that's, real. That's, that's 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 the strategy. That's it. We're gonna we're gonna give up thirty five to forty. He's gonna get that. Cool. Shout outs to him. He's gonna but get twenty guys, rebounds. But these other guys, they got to make shots. We're going to make it so hard for them. 
that he's going to tire himself out. And, you know, of course, Bud, he honors the, the minutes restriction. Let's, 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 let's double down and triple down when we need to when he's on the bench. And then that's Zach's how it normally coach, works. Hmm. <laughs> Zach's favorite coach, Mike Budenholzer. He's offended <laughs> Yo, <laughs> right now. Speaking of wide open, um, we talked about the West being wide open um, and the East being wide I think every conference is wide open right now. Um, the hottest teams, right? Everybody's saying the Nuggets, right? Because they're number one in the West. But the Nets have won 10 straight. They're rolling. Jacques Bond got these guys rolling. And, and we're going to get to that real quick after this break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Trey, you you started us off on this. The Nets are killing it right now. Eleven mm-hmm. straight, beat Milwaukee in a. I mean, blew out Milwaukee, beat Cleveland in this run. Like at first, it was like, oh, they're beating nobodies. Now they're beating like teams. You're in Brooklyn, man. What's up? Hey, man. It starts with the leadership, Doc Vaughn. I mean, this is the thing. Normally, that's the most important trait of an NBA basketball team to start with a championship run, right? And obviously, they have a big picture going on there. They want to chip away one thing at a time. They don't want to guarantee anything. I feel like the -the off-the-court stuff is behind them for right now. You know, you you never know with them. 
but they've seen to put things behind and just focus on basketball. And I know we're talking about Luka. We talk about Jokic. Kevin Durant, 29.7 points per game, 6.9 rebounds points per game, 8, I mean, uh, 5.3 assists per, per game. They've won their last 10. Uh, shot attempts-wise, he's, he's barely taking over 15 a game. This run that they're on, Trey, is incredibly efficient. All right. So they have, first of all, they haven't lost a game in like a month, right? Yeah. That, that's a big deal. You go a month of the NBA season without losing a game. Okay. You're doing some shit. Uh, they have the number one offense by quite a bit. They've got the number one net rating and they are second to last in number of possessions. This is one of the most efficient jump shooting teams of the last 10 years. And uh, they're actually playing defense now. Ben Simmons. And they share the ball. Ben Simmons, it doesn't, they don't care if he scores two points or 20. It doesn't matter. They found a way to score when he's out on the court. And you mentioned the defense. The defense is actually, it's been improved. But when the offense is, I mean, when you're, when you're shooting like they're shooting right now, the defense is secondary. But the defense has been holding up. And that's what they've needed this whole time. And I want to go to Jacques Vaughn because you know, a couple of weeks back, Steve Kerr was asked, you know, what he thought what the big turnaround was. And he, he said, well, player health. OK, yes, certainly. Having Ben Simmons, having Kyrie Irving, who is still a wonderful basketball player who's on a nice run during the stretch. And we haven't been talking about him enough. Uh, yes. Having those guys out there. T.J. Warren. Royce O'Neal. T.J. Warren has been huge. great coming back now, finally getting his legs under him. Um, but the truth is, man, they just look more organized. They have a basketball coach now who is just getting them into the right spots. And then when you've got talent, that usually equals success. And so, you know, Trey, I think that you in particular, you were one of the first people to say, hey, I, I expect a big turnaround. Jacques Vaughn is going to turn these guys around. He has their ear. It's pretty obvious to me he's got them playing together, which really was never the issue. The issue is, has been for this team, the off-the-court off distractions have interfered with on-court play. And now everybody's on the court and playing basketball, and they're just a, a boring, good basketball team. I think that this is overall, man, what a what a turn of the page for the Brooklyn Nets. And now you've got one of the best hoopers on the planet playing ridiculous basketball and barely even trying to take over games. Just wait until KD has to take over some games. Look, the first two games, Jock Bond sets him down, sits him down, and just pretty much is like, accountability you 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 he benched ben simmons yep people forget that it's an ego check first of all it's not like look you need to figure it out we got guys that want to roll you to want nick claxon has stepped his game up all the way up i was i was not you know i was talking about Polo. i was talking about bringing in post presence no, this team is rolling as is because they bring in a, a true big, they're going to slow them down. They're one of the best passing teams. Durant is guarding the best player on the floor. You know what I mean? Like, he's out there trying to guard a jaw. He's out there trying to guard whoever it is, Jordan Poole, to make sure that this team locks it down. Now, they've faced, um, they've had three games where they almost lost it because of breakdowns. You know, where everybody panics and they're doing the hot potato. They still need to get better with that. Um, and although they're hot, I still think that Boston is the team to beat. 
oddly, Boston is just a tough matchup for them, and they're going to continue to have to grow and not make mistakes because uh, uh, the unforced turnovers. It's not what Boston is doing out there. They try to play so fast, and they get out of character. And Tatum it's, and Br- Jalen Brown and uh, I mean, it's and the company, size on the wings. Yeah, it's the just, size on the wings, right? They do it like mm-hmm. that's really the issue. You know, when you're looking at it, it's Steph Curry having to try to box out Tatum on a on a on a misplay and things like that. I think the rebounding is the key thing. Is that's really where they've kind of improved over the the run. And and you know, just to kind of piggyback on Dave's point, like this is what happens when you get an actual coach in Jack Vaughn, and 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 you know, like. Coaching is, Steve more Nash, than just vibes. Really, Coaching is more than just vibes. It's it's it by, by by miles, and I think that was the the important thing there. And I think he's kind of brought more order to it. It's it's just more interesting in 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 that sense. And it's like you look at what he's done, and it's like, damn man, like he's it's it's really impressive the turnaround this team has made. And we'll see. Like I think the problems in the playoffs are are more, you know, Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons can't shoot free throws that becomes a problematic thing down the stretch because you need them defensively and rebounding. So that'll be something to kind of pay attention to. Will, what's what's your spin on this? Yeah, I just think it's crazy when you look at Jock Vaughn. It's like, yo, can a, a interim coach be coach of the year? Because I think he's, <laughs> he, he's got to be in that conversation just the way. I mean, y'all talked about all the stuff he's doing, but I think what's most impressive is he's got these dudes playing defense. When you think about Brooklyn, that team was built to be offense first and a lot of times offense only when Steve Nash was the coach. And now they're locking in. They're they're playing defense. You see Kyrie playing defense. You see all of these dudes really focusing on that and more than they ever have in Brooklyn. And I think what's so impressive what Jaguar is doing as well is like the amount of off-court stuff they have to deal with constantly. And over the past month, it's not even a factor. We're not even talking about Ben Simmons. We're not talking about Kyrie Irving. The, The Kevin Durant trade demand feels like it was five years ago. Like, it's not a factor with that team. They just care about basketball, and that's the only thing that matters in Brooklyn right now. And I think a ton of that credit has to go to Jock Vaughn. And, of course, KD kind of putting all that stuff behind him and playing his best basketball is extremely important. But uh, y'all mentioned it. It starts with leadership with this team, and that's what they have. They they, they have real leaders on that team. Uh, they're focused on basketball and all the other stuff. It just doesn't matter. If Ben Simmons scores two points, who cares? Nobody's talking about him after the game because they know who they are, and it's extremely impressive. The the question I have for the group, and everybody kind of just jump in, but will KD's trade demand, demand to fire the coach in front office, affect him in the MVP voting? Because he's playing like an MVP, and I know, you know people what? get mad with you that. You know what, but... though, Mo? He doesn't care about the MVP. <laughs> he just wants to win, honestly. they just well, This right now is his MVP, and again, I'm not trying to say that because, again, I think the MVP, if we're talking about the MVP, we're only talking about two players, personally. It's two players. We're talking about Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic. Everybody else, is there's one, two, and then there's a gap, and then there's three, four, five. You know what I mean? And I think that's the, the last thing that Kevin's worried about because, again, turning that around to, like, mu- clean up the muddy, you can't talk about MVP yet. I can't I think, talk about MVP yet. I think one thing that KD did... Um, which, I, by the way, uh, I appreciate when Kevin Durant sits down in front of a microphone because I, I think he's a thoughtful person. Uh, one of the things that he did was address the the trade demand. And he said, I'm here. I'm here to play basketball. And and he has done that, right? Like, I mean, in his career, 
unhappy, happy, it doesn't matter. The guy shows up to work. This is one of the reasons why I respect Kevin Durant so much as a player, but also as a human being. I mean, he sat down and he addressed the the entire thing. He said, I'm here to play basketball. He's not going to get traded, right? Like, I mean, I'm assuming unless something crazy happens in the next month. Um, and I, so as far as the MVP goes, I think that if you're a voter and you're like, okay, I want to hold it against him for asking out of this team. Uh, if anything, you should give him more credit. Look at what he's doing <laughs> in a place that Called he didn't out his necessarily want to be. That's right. Yep. It has assumed a real leadership position on that team, and he earned it, right? Like, it, it, nothing given. Those guys have followed along with him. Jacques Vaughn has done a wonderful job of pulling that whole thing together. And, and hey, biggest thing is credit to Jacques Vaughn or whoever for getting Kyrie Irving to be on the same page as everybody else in the, in the organization. This is the longest that they've gone without an issue off the court from Kyrie Irving, which by the it's way, silent. it's been yeah, nothing going it's been on. Great. Which, that's it's fantastic. been the quietest 11 game yeah. win streak. And I think that's exactly what the organization needs. One team that not been very quiet has been the nuggets out West. They're rolling right now. Like that's the thing we're watching right now. You, you mentioned him. Trey Jokic. I mean, he's definitely video. Listen, video game, video numbers. game numbers. I mean, he crushed it. He crushed the Celtics Mo. just yesterday. Go 43, listen, listen, 43, 14, 8, 41, 15, 15, 47, 6, 40, 27, 10. I can't do that on 2K. I can't do that on 2K. He's had one game minute quarters. He had one game where he hasn't shot above 50% from the field. I mean, the guy. It's it's got to be embarrassing. He put up a thirty point triple double on the best team in the league yesterday, and honestly, nobody cares about his stats. Do you do you think come April, people the voters will have voter fatigue? In the way he's playing, I don't see how you can do anything but respect what he's doing. And you have to give it to him. And that's that that what that's what makes this season so great for him. Because a couple years ago, when Giannis was on his third year after winning back-to-back MVPs, people couldn't wait to be like, get him out of here. I am not voting for Giannis. I don't care. And people were ready to do that with Jokic this year. And then a couple months in, they were like, yo, this dude is balling. Like, you can't help but put him right at the top of the MVP race again. And that's, I think that's the most respect you can put on his game is that people couldn't wait to discount what he was going to do this year. And you can't do anything but respect it. I think there, there's an aesthetic difference. Right. So Giannis, unfortunately, doesn't get enough credit for his defensive player of the year like effort every single year. Right. It doesn't carry as much weight as what he does offensively. We know this in MVP discussion. So I actually think Giannis should should be getting more MVP buzz just because he's Giannis and that's what he does. Right. He's in the top five. Yeah. But the thing about Jokic is aesthetically, is there a more pleasing guy to watch in the league? Like, I mean. He just, he looks, he's built like a, I mean, he's tall as hell, but he's built like kind of a normal guy who's just a giant. And then he does stuff with the basketball that we've never seen a guy his size do. Uh, You know, all due respect to Arvita Sabonis, he was not throwing these water polo passes, you know, cross court through traffic that, that Jokic does. And I think that when you have a guy who makes highlight plays out of mundane basketball possessions, the way he does because it's not that he dunks over everybody. He he opens people up with passing. He he hits incredible shots and then he's snagging all these rebounds and and has these, you know, these amazing tip-ins. I think that that 
that thing that we love about basketball players, Jokic embodies so much of that, the beauty of the game, that he has overcome the voter fatigue that you would normally run into because his game is so unique. I mean, he does something almost every game He's that you've never seen before. It's 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 must watch at this point. Like every time you tune in, it's just like, God, this dude's something else. I don't know if it's going to be voter fatigue. I think he's the MVP. I think he's the best player in the NBA right now with the way he's playing and everything. I don't think it's going to be voter fatigue, Trey, but I think it's going to be people going, I can't vote for him and have him get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs again. Or I think it's going to be holding last year's playoff performance against him, which is going to be unfair because it's a regular season award, all that stuff. But we know all that carries weight. That hurt Giannis for a while, right? In the MVP running and things like that. I think that's something that I think as we get closer, but if he's averaging a triple-double and the Nuggets are the number one seed in the in the West, I don't know if you could actually keep him out of the the, the MVP race. I mean, I mean, it's his award. The, is, the Jokic flameouts in the playoffs have been worse than the Giannis playoffs flameouts were back in the day, right? I mean, we saw Jokic get swept in the playoffs, you know, we, we've seen him go out a lot earlier than Giannis was before he ended up getting that championship. And I think, man, the thing when you watch Jokic, he's just a, a pure hooper. And I think we don't say that enough. We talk about K- KD and guys like that when we say that. But Jokic is the definition of a pure hooper. And one of the, my favorite things on social media right now, Trey might know, I forget the guy's name, my guy who's the number one social media uh, ref. Who, who loves to post the videos of like oh, John Moran. Devin in the lab. Devin in the lab. That's yes, a good he posted, bit. That's a really he posted good the videos bit. of John Morant doing like 15 carries and Luka Doncic doing all this stuff. And we know every time you watch Giannis, he has like three or four places. It's like, wait, was that like four steps Giannis took before he dunked that just mm-hmm. now? And you don't see any of that with Jokic. It's just pure basketball. He's not doing any of the extra stuff. He's not beating on his chest. He, he's not screaming at the refs after every foul. He's just out there playing the game. And I think he would probably get more credit if he did some of that stuff, right? He If he did kind of tell everybody how great he is every now and then, but he doesn't care. He, he's not out there jumping on the scores table or out there doing stuff to, to put attention on himself. He's just a pure basketball player, and that's one of the things I love about his game most. Let me ask you guys, what do the Mavericks have to do for Luka to snag this MVP from, from Jokic? Because – the guy had a 60-point triple-double. And by the way, one of the most amazing uh, buzzer beaters I've ever seen with the missed free throw, which we now have found out, he's like perfected the missed free throw. Do you guys see this? Yeah. yeah. Against, uh, it was, who was it's, it against? Where he missed it and he went straight to him? Uh, yeah, to, San Antonio. To San Antonio. Like San Antonio. Game against San Antonio, which, by the way, a 51-point game. Um, I, you know, I've got some issues with him needing to score 60 and 50 to to beat teams that, you know, just aren't are, shouldn't be as good as the Mavs. But what does he got to do? It's to, not what he's got to do. Well, what does Mavericks conf- have to do? Mavericks have to win the conference. Okay. And he has to continue to lead the league in scoring. I'm with you on that. Also, his teammates have to hit shots. <laughs> like, that's the other thing, too. Like, that's the he creates so many looks for them. In that 60-20-10 game, he had 22 potential assists. And I, I'm telling you, at least six or seven of those misses were wide-open threes that he created for guys. Like, it could have even been a crazier number that that thing but when you just look at what he did in december 35.1 shooting 51.9 from the field 42.4 from three and for luca that's huge because we know he shoots he he has runs where he shoots really poorly from three in that stretch and he's just rolling right now averaging eight and a half rebounds 9.3 assists like 
it's it's right up there with with Jokic and Trey's right. I mean, they they got to find a way to win the conference. I don't know if they have the firepower for that, but I mean, if if his teammates just hit shots, he's going to average, you know, double digit assists. I it think helps that goes that Christian a long Wood, way. Christian Wood's been playing better, right? Like, I mean, when you get the sure. the the guys that have talent playing well together, things things obviously look better. Christian Wood has been a, a huge turnaround for them the the last few games. But I, I do want to point out when we look at this six game win streak for the for the Mavs, uh, we can knock it because they haven't really beaten anybody. The only game, the only team that they've beaten is the Knicks in there, and it required sixty point triple double from Luka Doncic to force overtime to win the game. So you know the the run that they're going on is a one man run, but it's against bad teams. So and I, he beat I think the Knicks without Brunson too. So right, yeah. So it, it's um. They are making shots against bad teams. I want to see them do it against the good teams. And until they do that, I I, I don't hold Luka as high in the MVP race as you guys do. And I know that's not fair because it's largely his teammates not making shots. But I do think um, he's he's in the top five. I, and if they can win, the, look, if they can win the West, then yeah, he's gonna he's probably gonna win MVP. I mean, they want him to win MVP. The the I'll put this at you though, Dave. When you when you said they didn't beat anybody in the six game win streak. The Nets in their first six games of this <laughs> win streak didn't That's beat true. anybody really that would make you jump up. We were all saying they're barely beating bad teams. So, I mean, it's it's play the schedule and, and see how it goes. You're right. We got to see how they do against the other teams as this gets better. But man, just he's just it's just incredible watching him, though. And the other thing I like about it is even though it's it's we can argue like this heliocentric offense and stuff, the teammates do love him. Like the way they celebrated the, in the locker room that sixty twenty game, like I feel like there's a lot of that. Like there's not a, yo, we don't want to play with this guy, type situation. Like we're watching somewhat in Atlanta. At least that's my feel for it in Atlanta with Trey Young. I think that's kind of what you're getting is like guys really enjoy playing with him, and I think that's kind of one of the the bigger things with with Luca and man. Like I'm just excited to watch these dudes. And I think one of the more hilarious parts about this is uh. I think so much of the Luca conversation when we get to MVP is going to have nothing to do with Luca, because I think for years I think a lot of voters are going to have to fight with what they said in the past as far as God, I hate watching James Harden just dribble the ball the entire game and Russell Westbrook having these crazy usage. One guy who, who wants to play basketball like this, and then you see Luca and it's like man, he's doing a lot of, the, and of course he's doing it at a higher level than those guys did. But I think a lot of voters are going to have to look themselves in the mirror and say, man, I spent some years hating on Harden and now Luca is doing kind of the same thing. And do I reward him when I was hating on Harden back in the day? I think that's going to be a part of this conversation as well. Uh, the only thing I'll say is he's not doing, he's not committing the insurance fraud that Harden is doing <laughs> yeah, by getting to the free throw line. He's not time. nearly the grifter that, 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 that is. Fact. Also, and the other thing is, I, I think that there's a little bit more uh, variety to his offensive game that, than James Harden in, in those rocket years. I mean, he shoots a lot of mid range. He posts up more. He get, he, I mean, some of the stuff he does around the basket and, and not to not to because you are right like the numbers are going to look similar but the way that they arrive there a little bit different and, and he does dribble the air out of the ball man the mavericks are sometimes a hard watch I, i'll be honest here and mo and i have had this conversation like you you basically know what's going to happen in just about every single possession but also there's like a 10 percent chance of luca doing something incredible i never felt that way about james harden it's 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 you know what's coming it's just can you stop it yeah.
Every possession looks exactly the same. It's crazy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We've reached the end of the show, guys. We've reached the end of Bud's first one in the year of 2023. I did not drive the train off the, the rails. I was a good conductor, I feel like. And for Trey, for Will, for Dave, I'm Mo. We're out. Have a great 2023. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.